0: Today I want to talk to you about how to live an intentional life. How Peter would instruct us to live an intentional life. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to 1st Peter chapter 4. 1st Peter chapter 4, how to live intentionally. I did hear something funny this week. I, I know all of our South Louisiana people love when I do Boudreaux and Thibodeau jokes. I do know it's hunting season uh, in the fall, so a lot of people uh, go hunting. Matter of fact, we had one of our guys at our campuses sent me a picture uh, and actually shot a moose, and so I thought about that. Boudreaux and Thibodeaux, uh one day went uh, moose hunting. They went to Canada, and uh, it's funny. They got up there and the pilot flew them way up there, and they they actually shot four big moose. I don't know if you call them mooses or moose. Plural singular, they shot these four big moose, and they came back to the plane and they're ready to get on the plane. And uh, these are Cajun guys, you gotta remember. And the and the pilot said, No, you cannot, you can't bring four large moose on the plane, only two. Immediately they started arguing with the pilot. So, you don't understand something? Last year we shot four moose, and we went on a plane. The plane is exactly the same type of plane. We want to bring all of our moose. We each shot two. We want to bring them on the plane. The guy finally capitulates and says, that's fine. They start taking off. They start flying. It was a little bit heavy, and after a while, they hit some turbulence, and of course, the pilot reluctantly did this, and the the flight wasn't getting up it wasn't getting it finally got up but the weight of the moose were so much yes you know what happened they went down they went down and finally they crashed out of the wreckage Boudreaux kind of pulled himself up and there was Thibodeau there he said Thibodeau he said yeah I'm here Are you okay yeah everybody's okay the pilot everybody's okay he says Mesha. he said what happened he said I thought last year we made it he says yeah he says, as a matter of fact, he says, I think we crashed in the exact same place that we crashed last year because we had too much weight on. How many know what I'm talking about? The funniest thing is, is that Cajun people, how many of y'all love Cajun people? Come on, how many of y'all love, how many love Cajun people? It's funny, in our church, we actually have a guy, a Cajun guy named Boudreau who's friends with a Thibodeau. All right, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to talk to you today Chapter 4 How to Live an Intentional Life. You know it's interesting how many times in my life I've been going through hard times and pressure and circumstances and what's so interesting is it's it's when I remember my purpose. When I remember my why, why God has placed me in the place he's placed me, in the generation with the gifts and the call. In other words, when I understand how to live intentionally, it actually lifts me and empowers me through those hard times. Peter, the apostle, is encouraging this first century church. He's encouraging them the importance of their thinking and how to live intentionally. In chapter 4, Peter identifies some, what I would call, traps. And it's interesting when you think about traps. The devil sets traps for people i never forget my house growing up as a kid. My, my grandma, a Cajun lady, who used to, literally before school in the 20s and 30s, she literally trapped muskrats, literally in the bayous of Louisiana. And so I had this trap. And so it's interesting, I talk a lot about traps. My mom had that trap, and I'd walk right out of my room, and I would see this trap. I began to think about all the traps that the enemy sets for us in life, how he sets traps, and Peter Identifies some of these traps and how living intentionally empowers us through these traps. Let me give you one what I call stinking thinking trap. Maybe you've been trapped in that recently. What is the stinking thinking trap? If we're not careful when we experience pain and pressure, we can experience what I would call a victim mentality. There are people right now that are listening to me and people that you know that are trapped in what I would call stinking thinking, victim mentality. The problem with the victim mentality is when you're trapped in that. Everybody else is the problem. The culture's the problem. Your spouse is the problem. The government's the problem. Your ex is the problem. Your kids are the problem. The problem is you never take responsibility for your life. I call it the stinking thinking trap. Number two is what I call the short-sighted trap. What is the short-sighted trap? We can end up with the short-sighted trap being caught where we give up too early. We give in to compromise. We lose the big picture. We're in a trial. We're in a circumstance. It's tough. And right before the breakthrough, we give up. How many times, how many times that you've come so close and you think, my gosh, if I could just, here it is, here it is, if I could just come up higher, and see from God's perspective. What I'm so grateful is the Bible gives us the clue and the keys to come up higher. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe it's a short-term trap. And you're making some decisions. Whatever location you're at where you're, you're wanting to compromise. Why? Because you're, 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 you're thinking, my gosh, the pain is too great. And let me just say this. Don't give up and buy into that thinking. Number three, the third trap is what I would call the self Protection trap. This happens when we choose to turn inward. We focus on ourselves. We go through a painful situation, a painful breakup, a hurt in a relationship. Oh, and the self-protection trap. Here it is. Here it is. The wall goes up and you say to yourself, I'm never, ever, ever going to let anybody do that to me again. The problem is, like I've said before, that when we put up walls to protect ourselves, we actually put up walls that imprison us. Peter is dealing with people that feel trapped. Why? Because they're being persecuted. They're they're under pressure. And when we're under pressure, we often feel trapped. I'm so grateful that he gives us the way out. Today, I want to talk to you about how to live intentionally. How to not live trapped. How to not give into stinking thinking. How not to give into short sighted thinking. How not to give into self protection thinking. First Peter chapter four, verse one. Here's what Peter would say. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Everyone say same mind. It's going to be big. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. There's a contrast. Don't live for the lust of the flesh, but live for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in the lo- in lewdness, in lusts, in drunkenness, in revelries, in drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. My gosh, he just la- it's just this is just, he just lists it all out. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. When you got born again, your life was changed. When you gave your heart to Christ, you don't go back and do the old things you used to do. Your heart was changed. Your mind was changed. Your speech begins to change. Your actions, your decisions. Why? Because you live differently. We no longer have stinking thinking. We no longer have what we would call short-term thinking. We see life from a different perspective. Peter is telling him, we don't go back. I love this. He says, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. What does it mean that the gospel was preached also to those who are dead? I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to help clear up some confusion with, I believe, this scripture that's going to really, really help some people. That they may be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. This leads us to our first point. Pastor, how how do I live an intentional life? I I, I don't want to get caught in stinking thinking. I don't want to live like a victim. Everybody's a victim in our culture. You get extra credit for being a victim. Let me just qualify. That's not to suggest that people have not gone through painful things. And we are to empathize and have compassion, but but we are to make sure to empower people through the Word of God to not allow people to be enslaved in a victim mentality, because the moment you buy into that, let me, there, it's hopeless. You can't get out. So so we we we've got to. We are made in the image of God, and we can take responsibility under God's authority to break out. Everybody say break out of whatever situation that's holding you captive. In your will against God's will. We don't wanna buy in a victim mentality. We don't wanna buy in a short term thinking where we lose sight of our future. We don't wanna have what's called Esau thinking. We wanna see the end, we wanna live differently. Number one, Peter would say if you wanna live an intentional life, you've got to live with the right mindset. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Think about this. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. What does it mean to arm yourselves? This is a, this is a military term. To arm yourself. To arm yourself with what? With the same mind. What mind? The mind of Christ. Peter is saying the same thing that we see that Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that we are to arm ourselves. In other words, we are to prepare ourselves for the battle ahead. If you want to live an intentional life, how many people wake up every day just allowing life to happen to them? There's no intentionality. They they just are allowing circumstances and emotions to dictate. They're they're just, but but Peter is challenging them to arm themselves, listen, with their mind, have the right mindset. In other words, you got to put it on. Culture wants to put on a mindset. Somebody else, maybe some past relationship. The devil himself wants to put on a bad mindset, short-term thinking mindset, victim mentality. God says, put on arm yourself with the right mindset. Pastor Steve, I, I want to wake up in the morning with a sense of faith and hope and expectancy that today's going to be a bright day. Doesn't mean that I won't go through trials, but I'm going to attack them differently. When my mindset is armed, armed with God's word, Philippians 2.5, Paul echoing the same theme that Peter would say. He says this, let this mind, Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Pastor Steve, is it possible to have the mind of Christ? The answer is yes. You, you can think biblical thoughts. You, you can actually think differently. By the way, I'm going to be teaching Uh, This year for our spiritual growth campaign in January, I'm super pumped up. I'm telling everybody this. I'm doing a whole series on the book of Philippians, and my whole series is called Perspective Shift. Your life will change when your perspective shifts. And the key there is having the mind of Christ. So we can have the mind of Christ. When you think right, everyone say, think right. When you think right, you feel right. When you think and feel right, you make right choices. Often we make poor choices based upon, watch this, wrong feelings. Our feelings are a byproduct of our thoughts. You can change what you feel by changing what you think. Peter says, if you want to live an intentional life, you have to have a right mindset. We've got to think straight in difficult times. Our thinking needs to be clear. This has been a journey for me in life. It has been not only when I gave my heart to Christ, but it's been a it's been a journey throughout my life as I've walked with God where I've had to actively, I was a—I was deep in the world as a high schooler and in the beginning of college and, and just deeply entrenched in sin. And when I came to Christ, my heart was changed, but my mind still needed to be renewed. And I had to learn how to arm myself on a daily basis, taking out the old and putting in the new, getting God's thoughts, replacing my thoughts and so that i could feel different and make different choices and different behaviors it begins with arming yourself in your mind why are peter and paul so vigilant to challenge us to think correctly i'll tell you why because when we're in pain the first thing that often goes off the rails is our thoughts we start pointing our fingers at people we're in pain we're in pain because them because they did this and they did this and and, and, and they did this. Again, God never delivers us from every painful situation. He can empower us in that situation. Peter and Paul are insistent throughout all the epistles, through all the New Testament, the importance of the mind. Arm yourself. Arm your thinking. Have the right mindset. You wake up. What are you watching when you wake up? What are you listening to in the morning when you wake up? What's going into your mind? Arm yourself. Have the right mindset. There is a tension in this life, I know the tension. At times, we look around, we look around on a personal level, we look around on a cultural level, and it's almost like God is losing, the devil's winning. Well, let me just help everybody. That's not true. We, we look at the news, and you look at all the bad that's happening in the world, and and, and you can get depressed. But quite honestly, you get, my gosh, you can feel. A sense of hopelessness. And so I want to suggest to all of you, I want, to, I want to encourage you as your pastor. I want to posit this thought in your mind, okay? Here it is. Be careful what you allow to go into your mind. Now, let me qualify that. I, I think it's important. I think it's important as a citizen I'm an American citizen. I think it's important for us to be equipped. I think it's important for we're entering into a so I want to help pastor everybody right now. We're entering into a political season the next 24 uh, the next 12 months in the United States of America. I wanna encourage you. I think it's it's important as a citizen to know the issues. I think, by the way, I think it's important as an American citizen to understand what candidates believe in platforms, measuring them against biblical values. I think that's important. I think all of those things are important. But I would also manage the diet of the news that you're intaking each day. And the reason why is, is because Don't let the spirit of fear in the world jump on you. Arm yourself. Everybody say arm yourself. I'm not talking about with guns. I'm talking about arm yourself in your mind. In your mind. Peter said arm yourself. In other words, be prepared in your mind. What does it mean to arm yourself? You're being prepared in the natural, right? A military person. But Peter's talking about get your mindset right. Part of getting your mindset right is, what are you meditating on on a daily basis? How do I live an intentional life, Pastor? How do I come above the fray? How do I come above all of the tumultuous, circumstantial things in my life and culture? you got to arm your mind every day. Every day. Verse 2, that you no longer should live the rest of the time in the flesh for the lust of men, but the will of God. Peter begins to give a contrast. The contrast is we don't live according, watch this, to the base lusts of mankind, but we come up higher and we live according to the will of God. He he begins to draw a distinction between the will of man and the will of God, what man wants and what God desires, what God's will is versus man's will, one of the benefits Of living with a healthy mindset. We're talking about how to overcome in life regardless of what comes against you, how to live an intentional life, and it begins with a mindset. And now he gives us more ammunition, spiritually speaking. He says, don't live the rest of your time in the flesh for the lust of men, but come up higher. There's a higher calling. If we're to live according to the will of God, we come up higher. We come up higher. We, we live What is God's will? God's plan. God's purpose. One of the things I've found is that when we live for God's will, Jesus, Jesus said it this way in the Garden of Gethsemane, not what I want, but what you want, God. He's talking to his father. You know that when you wake up each day and you pray that prayer, God, not what I want. Now, let me help you. Let me help you. If we want what God wants, what God wants for us is satisfying actually more satisfying than what we want because our wants can get messed up with a lot of other conflicting wants. So it's not to suggest that if we do what God wants, God's will, God's way, God's purpose, that it's going to lead us to unhappiness. It's actually going to lead us to actually ultimate happiness. So it's not like, oh, I got to do what God wants, you know, it's just a laborious. Thing. No, 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 no. When we do what God wants, when we live God's will, it gives us the power to say no to the lesser and yes to the better. That's what Peter's saying here. Jesus said in Luke twenty-two, forty-two, 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what my will is, but let your will be done. When you and I live according to God's will, it keeps us above the lusts of the flesh. Your lusts, my lusts, gives us a higher look, it gives us the power to say no to what's wrong and yes to what's right. Look at verse 3. He said this, holiness and righteous living. He says this. He says, when you have the right mindset, you're able to view things differently. Live for a higher plane. You live on a higher plane. Yes, you go to work. Yes, you're on your campus. Yes, those of you who are married. You, you're married. Yes, you raise kids. But you, but you do it from God's perspective, from God's will. And you're able to say no to what? Lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. How much more clear can he get? When you and I live for God's will, we live for something higher, God's plan. Well, why do people, why do people live? Listen to me, I want everybody to hear me. I want everybody to lean in what I'm about to say. It's gonna help somebody right here. Why does somebody live for base lusts? I'll tell you why. Because they've not learned how to appropriately medicate the pains of life. When somebody lives, listen to what I'm, this is going to help some people. When you live for what's called base lust, why does somebody do an action that's sinful? Because what they're doing is they're trying to, what they're, they're trying to soothe their soul through the pains and pressures of life. That's where they were. So he says when you live according to the flesh, what you're trying to do is you're stressed from the day, you're stressed from life, so this outlet, this, this what outlet? the outlet of lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries, all of those things, what that person that gives themselves to that, what they're doing is they're, they're dealing with pain, but they're dealing with it in an illegitimate way. You know what sin is? Sin is when you have a legitimate need and you try to meet it through illegitimate actions. That's what it is. Our whole culture is trying how do we relieve ourselves from pain? We're stressed, okay? Okay, we're all on the same page. But if you do it man's way, you do it at a much lower level, and it doesn't satisfy. That's why I threw. He, he, through one relationship and another relationship and another relationship uh, or I got, I got to do more substances or more substances. Again, 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 you're trying to meet a legitimate need through illegitimate ways. Peter says, got to come up higher. That'll never satisfy. So I'm asking everybody, every location, how are you doing with your mindset? Your mindset if you're living for the will of God, you're living for something higher. Yeah, and it eclipses stinking thinking, short-term thinking, and self-protection thinking. All right, number two, second thing, second thing that Peter would say, if you want to live, this is so good, if you want to live an intentional life, you've got to live with the end in mind. Look at verse five and six. They will give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. I'm going to explain that. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. What does it mean to live with the end in mind? Here's what's interesting. The gospel... Is preached to those who are dead. Now some of you may be asking, who is he talking to? So like Peter's preaching to these people in Asia Minor. He's preaching, you know, the book of Acts. We read it. And so like these people die. Are they still getting the gospel preached to them? Is that, is that, is that what he means right here? He's preaching to those. Is that what he means? Those that have died like physically no that's not what he means. What he means is those let me read it again. For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are what everybody say it dead. Who's dead? Everybody before they trust Christ as their savior is dead in their trespasses and sin. Paul said it this way Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, for you have you have been made alive who were what everybody say it dead in trespasses and sin what is Peter saying Peter is saying before you came to Christ you were dead and the gospel was preached to the dead not people that have died physically those that are living physically do you know there's people that are living physically all over the globe that are living physically but they're dead spiritually they've not received Christ and Peter is is telling them that they're they're, they're, they're dead. Paul, as well, is saying they're dead. If you're not alive in Christ, you're dead. You're alive physically, but you're dead spiritually. That's why Christianity is not just like, I'm getting a little bit better. I'm getting a little bit better. No, 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 no. You're like lost, then you're found. You're like dead in your sins, then you're born again, and you're made anew in the life of God. It, it is no like in between, like I'm migrating towards the Lord. No, like you're either dead or you're alive in Christ. I don't want to say. Uh, let me let me let me let me let me get real clear with this. I do want to say. Excuse me. I do want to say according to Scripture. I know some people have inter- misinterpreted this over this century. And say, well, I guess he's talking about people that have died and like they go listen to what I'm about to say and they've gone on and I guess there's another chance for them after they die, and maybe they can hear the gospel after they die physically. That's not what this means. Some people actually believe that. Some people believe that you get a second chance after you die physically. There's no second chance. You don't go to a secret holding chamber and loved ones pray for you to get you out of that chamber. That's not in the Bible. That's not scriptural. You don't pray for dead loved ones to have an experience with God. You pray for loved ones who are alive physically so they don't die away from God. It's very important. I want to help you scripture what does the Bible teach the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 as it is appointed for men to die what everybody say it once and after this the judgment so I want to go on record saying this Church of the King believes what the Bible teaches you die one time you don't die go to a secret holding chamber and then your loved ones give alms gifts Or pray for you to somehow get you out of that to get you back we don't believe in reincarnation we believe you die once and then the judgment that's why we need to be so passionately praying for our loved ones before they die physically yeah Peter said the gospel was preached to the dead that's dead spiritually that was me before I gave him to Christ at 19 years old verse 7 but at the end, of all, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. This is so powerful. We know that Peter is writing early 60s, 62, 63, 64 AD. So was Peter implying the end of all things is at hand relating to the return of Christ? Partially that. Now, I will say we're a lot closer to the return of Christ now, 2,000 years later, than Peter was then. In the New Testament, the writings in the New Testament always are about hastening the coming of the Lord. The urgency in the heart of believers, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But I believe it's, it's, it's more than just that. The end of all things is at hand. I think Peter, as an aged apostle, is writing to young believers, encouraging them. That their end is at hand. That, that, that we have one life to live, not two, not three, not four, but one life to live. We don't decide when we're born. You know, you go to the tombstones, and you see the tombstones, and, and, and you'll see, you know, the date on there. And then there's this, there's this dash. And then there's a date when the person dies. We don't decide the two dates but we do decide how we live in the dash. Peter is saying the end of all things is at hand. The person who lives short-sighted doesn't live in light of eternity. they think that this is all there is. It's it's just this life, and we're gonna just live as hedonists, and we're gonna live for sensuality, but they don't understand that this life is nothing compared to eternity. I read a book years ago called Living in Light of Eternity. What would we do differently if we thought, if we knew that we only had a month to live? How would you treat people differently? How would you communicate to your loved ones differently? I'm saying if you only had a month left, would there be a little bit more sensitivity to those in the house with you? Would there be a little bit more, I love you, and I'm sorry, and I don't want to carry an ought, and I apologize. For it? I, I believe that the tenderization, our hearts would be so tenderized. I, I bet you, knowing if we were, let me tell you something. You know, when somebody knows they have a terminal illness, let me just tell you something. They're, they're wanting to make sure they're right with God and right with everybody else. Can I help everybody? Don't wait till you have a terminal illness. Peter said, do it today the end of all things. By the way, by the way, he adds a caveat here and I think this is important. At the end he says, and be watchful in your prayers. Guess who else, guess who else is at their end? Everybody else you know. That's why intercessory prayer. If you really believe, if you really believe there's a heaven and if you really believe that there's a hell and if you really believe in the power of intercessory prayer and if you really believe that God hears our prayers and the prayers of his saints and as we're praying for people to get saved, Oh man, <laughs> I bet your you prayer lives would change a little bit differently. I bet your you prayer list, I bet you before we leave the house, like, Lord, I'm praying for my son, I'm praying for my daughter, I'm praying for my neighbors, I'm praying, oh God, 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 this is, Lord, we're crying out to you. Peter said, Be watchful, Pastor. How do I live in an intentional life? Number one, it's your mindset. It starts right here. Be watchful, be prepared. Number two, live with the end in mind. I, 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 I'm I 54. I remember 54 was like an old dude. How many of y'all remember when y'all were like teenagers? You're like, that guy's 40. He's like old. Come on, how many of y'all remember? that's like, that person's old. Now I'm like 54. Is like young. Come on, Amen, Amen. I mean, I mean, it's happening. Life is happening. Life is happening. Be watchful, Peter says. If you start with the end, and you work your way back, you'll make different decisions. By the way, I, a number of years ago, some of you know my story. When I burned out 2010, and I just hit a tough spot and kind of browned out, and I went to a counselor. I got a life coach. How to live differently. I was just an overworking individual, and I needed my thinking to change. And one of the things that we did is we sat down and and we talked about a eulogy. And we talked about, what would you like, Steve, for somebody to say about you at your funeral? Boy, it's a powerful exercise if you've never done that before. I mean, you ever ever go to a funeral and people are talking about, and you just think to yourself, that was like the most amazing person that ever lived on the planet. Sometimes you don't hear that. I think if you begin with the end of of what do you want your spouse to say about you? What, What do you want your kids to say about you? What do you want people to say about you? That is a good measuring tape. In other words, it's something good. Let's start with the end. What do you want ultimately God to say? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let's start with God. Let's start with those around us. In other words, let's make decisions today in light of what will be said about us then. Peter said, be watchful. I'm talking about he's helping us how to live an intentional life. Psalms 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's think about our tomorrow. Luke chapter 4 verse 28. Matter of fact, years ago I read a book by a man named Stephen Covey. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I read it in college, 1989. And one of the things he said is begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. What would happen to your life if you begin with the end In mind Luke 14 28 suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you sit down first and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete in other words gauge your life today make decisions today in light of your end number three we'll close with this Peter would say this are y'all learning things this helping anybody today here's what Peter would say Peter would say there's a way to live an intentional life that lifts you above the fray of this life. I'm not suggesting and he's not suggesting that you don't have trials and tribulations, but you approach them differently. You have power to deal with them differently. Number one, right mindset. Number two, begin with the end. Work your way back and make decisions today in light of tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Number three, as we close, live... Live to serve others. Look at verse 8 and 11. Peter says this, above all, above all. He's teaching these early Christians how to to not just survive. Christianity is not just surviving. It's thriving. It's thriving in Asia Minor. It's thriving in Babylon. It's thriving in a dark culture where, where the light of Christ can shine through us in our workplace, in our campuses, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, at the gym. Above all, above all, this is so powerful. Have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Stay with me. As good stewards, this is powerful, of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do so as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things, I love that, all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Peter closes this portion encouraging these early believers. Number one, your mindset is so critical. Have the mind of Christ. Renew your mind. A lot of teaching we do at this church on How to take out the old and put on the new. Number two, begin with the end in mind. But number three, the way to live an intentional life is is your focus needs to be on using what God's given you actually to serve others. This is what's crazy. When you don't focus on yourself and you focus on God and others, you actually are deeply satisfied in yourself. Peter said, above all, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. I want to deal with one thing real quick before I close. I think this scripture has been misinterpreted at times. I want to say this very pastorally and very kindly. Love covers a multitude of Well, pastor, I mean, love just covers a multitude of sins. And it just, it just covers. And so we don't even have to address it. We don't have to talk about it. I don't believe that's what he's talking about. Love covering a multitude of sins means love extends out from you in such a way as a believer that a person in sin feels the love of God, which creates the platform for the conversation to actually talk to them about sin. I'm concerned in the body of Christ because of there, there is... we. we Love is our heart, love's our motivation, but we speak the truth in love. Love does not mean there's an absence of truth. Love just means it's the platform for truth to go forth. Jesus told the woman, call it an adultery, he loved her, but then he said, go, he loved her. He, He loved her, but then he said, go, and what? Sin no more. In other words, in other words, love provides the atmosphere where the person that's in sin can actually hear the word. It doesn't mean that we don't speak the word, it creates an atmosphere where the person can hear the word. So you're with your friends. You're with friends that you walked with and they went to high school or college. And we we do not, as Christians, have to shy away from what the Bible says. Our hearts are filled with love. You may even have a tear in your eye. But we've got to be able to talk to a to people that are lost, that need Christ, that there's only one way to God the Father. It's through Jesus. We need to be able to talk about Biblical sexual ethics from God's perspective. We need to be able to talk about uh, God's design for marriage. We need to be able to talk about it. We can talk about it with a broken heart. We can talk about when somebody's in unforgiveness. And and we know what unforgiveness does to them. That it's cancer to the soul. In other words, our hearts are filled with love. But it doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth. we got to speak the truth. Because ultimate love is helping that person get out of bondage. And only truth brings people free. Only truth, only truth, only truth. So love covering a multitude of sins doesn't mean love washes away the ability to have conversation about sin. It means it creates an atmosphere where you can talk about sin with a right heart. You guys have heard the story about preacher. He preached about hell. It was so hot. He preached it like he'd almost been there himself. There's a brokenness when we see the sin of humanity. When we see sin and our lives and the lives of others, but we've got to speak the truth in love so that people can be set free. P- Peter closes, and as he closes, he says in verse ten. By the way, it's the goodness and kindness of God that draws us to repentance. Romans two four. I'll close with this. First Peter four ten. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the grace of God. Everybody say, I've received. Come on, say it. Say it. I've received. Come on, louder. I've received a gift from God. Look right here. Everybody, every location. Don't tell me you've not received a gift from God. God's given you a gift. It's your job to steward that gift. But here's the cool thing. That gift is not for you. God wants to use that gift through your life to help somebody else. Pastor, how do I live a life of joy and peace. That's what you're looking for. Everybody is. i tell you how. Embrace the gift that God's given you. Steward that gift. We hear a lot about professional development in our culture. There's also spiritual gift development. And then you use that gift to minister to other people. And I'm telling you, deep satisfaction comes to your soul. So how do I live an intentional life? Number one, have the right mindset each day. Take off the old, put on the new. Number two, live with the end in mind. And number three, live to serve other people. Creates a conversation to be able to love them, care for them, to share Christ with them, to share what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Speak the truth in love and use the gift that God's given you to minister to broken people. Y'all receive that word today? Come on. Y'all receive that word? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. All of our locations. I'm going to pray for you right now. If you do not know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. I have one minute left. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. He say, Pastor, pray for me. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. The kind of thing. I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand up. Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Jesus saves. Do you know Christ? Do you know if you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? Say, count of through, would you just lift your hand up high? Pastor, pray for me. One, two, three. Just lift your hand up high. And I'm gonna pray for you right now. Everybody, let's all pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Wash me and forgive me of my sin. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we do that? Amen.
1: If you're here today and you're making the decision to follow Christ for the first time, we wanna celebrate with you. That's a big deal. It's so exciting. In fact, the Bible says that you're forgiven of all of your sins. You're washed clean. You're given a new identity. You're a new creation. That's a big deal. And we just wanna say we are so excited for you. I can remember the day that I made the decision to follow Christ. But you know, one of the things that I had to learn the hard way was just making the decision to follow Christ. That was the first step. The next step was getting involved in community and getting the right people around me. And so if you're making that decision today, let somebody know because we want to walk with you. We want to help you. We want to give you resources to walk out this new life with Jesus. Man, Gabby, wasn't that message so good. Yeah, it was just amazing. amazing. It was awesome. I loved how we talked about we all have a unique purpose. God has a unique plan and purpose for your life. So I just want to encourage you, God sees you, he knows you, he knows your name. And right now, if you just feel like God is speaking to you, get prayer, ask one of the hosts to pray for you. Or maybe you're just having a hard time. You know someone that's going through a hard time. Let's lift them up in prayer. We want to encourage you in prayer. So talk to one of our hosts today, right now. Yes, yes, do it, do it, don't wait, do it right now. Well, thanks so much you guys for joining us uh, for our fifth week of Out of Darkness. We had such a great time uh, in church with you. Why don't you join us for our sixth and final week next week of Out of Darkness. It's gonna be a great time. So go ahead and invite somebody. Maybe, Maybe somebody needed to hear the message from this week, but maybe there's somebody who you need to bring along with you next week as well. Well, we'll be here same time. Same place. Have a great week, you guys.